Good morning. Let me make sure I got this. Okay, yeah, y'all can hear me. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, listen, I almost ran out of this place. Thank God for healing. Isn't that all right? Amen. We thank him that he is indeed the God of miracles. First off, I want to say uh, thanks to your awesome pastor for bringing me here today. Um, y'all, this is my brother. Um, I have never seen somebody as fired up for both CrossFit and missions um, <laughs> as I've seen uh, with this brother. But I, I want to say I, I really do respect you. And I admire the fact that you love so hard. I mean, you just put a lot of passion into it. We've been connected uh, for a couple of years now uh, through our, our pastor's coaching group. And I've just been able to just watch how he loves on people. And I thank God for you, brother. Can y'all show some love to your pastor in the house? And, um, and then I also have my awesome wife hanging out with me this morning. And uh, she and I, we're going to be speaking later on today at the Love is in the Air Marriage uh, Conference. So hopefully you guys are going to be there for that. Uh, we're fired up about it. This is my, my, my woman for the last 20 years. Uh, we've been married, and, um, and I thank God for her. Um, she, she's my number one uh, cheerleader, supporter, business partner, visionary leader, and, and mom of my awesome three children who are now in college. We got one more on the way, y'all. Uh, she's a junior in high school, so we got one more year, and then we home free. Come on. So... So I, I got victory on today because I'm almost done. All right. So, so I got this message I want to share with you guys. Oh, and I'm supposed to say this. I forget about this stuff every time. I have a couple of books available out here. I have one. It's titled Not Just Roommates, and it's The Roadmap to Marriage Intimacy. So for those of you guys who want some marriage wisdom, it'll be in the lobby. And then there's a new book that I wrote. It's called The God of the Valley. And the purpose of that book is really to help you endure really difficult times and, and maintain your faith, maintain your praise. And so if you guys want to hold, uh, grab a hold to those resources you can in the lobby. Um, I want to ask you guys a question, or maybe it's a, it's a thought. Could it be that the reason the enemy has attacked some of your homes is because he can sense the potential of what it would be? I, I want you to think about this for a moment because a lot of times he can sense the potential of what you have. And in his mind, see, the thing I, I've realized about the enemy, and I don't speak about Satan for too, too long, but I do want to kick some things off because I do feel that some of you guys, your home is under attack. And I want to talk about how you and I have a responsibility to play our part, and we watch God do his part, but we also need to recognize the strategy of the enemy. And one of the things that I believe is that Satan doesn't have uh, the gift of prophecy, right? So he doesn't know all things. He doesn't know the future. But he can sense potential. And so when he looks at you, he's been around a long time. Satan's been doing what he does a long time. He's had the same mission statement for years, to kill, steal, and destroy, right? He, he's in business for one simple reason, to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's been doing it a long time. And he can sense generationally sometimes. He can sense your potential even though he doesn't have the gift of prophecy. And what he realizes is if you ever realize who you are in the kingdom, and if you begin to rise to the role of your calling, if you begin to rise to the role of who God has called you to be, you're a threat to his kingdom of darkness. And, and, and so the things that we're going to talk about today is it's designed to help you fulfill your role to put the enemy in his place. Um, I like to think of it like this. Uh, Satan is kind of like a, 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 an ex who's upset. And, 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 and God kicked him out of heaven. And, and he's still upset about it. 
And, and since he can't get to God, the closest he can get to is the photo that God put of himself in the earth. And he wants to scratch that photo. Y'all know how it is when you got an angry lover and they scratch the person out the picture. And so since Satan can't scratch God, he scratches the closest thing to him. And that's the image of God, you and I. And so he, he, he attacks you because he hates God. He attacks you because you represent God. Now, it's important then for you and I to know how to best operate in the role that God has called us to live in. And so having said that, I believe God wants to awaken some spiritual leadership in the house. And, and there are some principles that you and I need to do because uh, if we don't do these things, and this is a foundational thing, and when you, some of you guys hear this, you're going to be like, this is too simple. But, but I think that if we're great at the simple things consistently, <laughs> we reap a harvest of being able to beat back the enemy instead of siding with him. Because the enemy's a master at throwing a rock and hiding a hand. Y'all have ever heard that expression before, right? You know what I'm talking about? Where he throw the rock, and then all of a sudden you got two people going at it talking about you hit me, you know, you hit me. But the enemy hides the hand to where you don't recognize that it's him. And after a while, what happens within a home is you got mothers against sons, and you got daughters against dads, and you got spouses going against one another. You got people who are church member going against church member. And we're fighting each other where we should be recognizing that it was the enemy who planted seeds of dissension. You, you have victory so well set up by God that the only way that you lose it is you have to forfeit it. That's the truth. Victory has been given to you and it's already won. Christ Jesus has paid it all for us to have victory. The only way for you to lose it is you have to relinquish it. And one of the number one ways we relinquish victory is within our relationships. See, victory is not independent of those you do life with. See, victory happens in you, but it affects all of us. And so, in other words, I can't want God to bless me while I'm cursing you. That's not, that's not the way God operates. Victory is a, is a corporate thing. And so, having said that, um, I want to get us to a place to where we can... We can awaken to our spiritual role in leadership. So real quick, before I start talking about, so I'm going to talk about spiritual decline because spiritual decline is something that happens and it's real. But I want to backtrack for a moment. How do we get to this place where homes are going at it? How do we get to this place where people really, as I teach this message, some of you guys are going to be like, oh, that's good. And again, some of us are going to be like, OK, we already knew that. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm OK with that if you already know it. You know what I mean? It's, it's a, but, but how do we get to this place? Well, back in the day, the church was the center of everything. Usually the church house was the biggest building in most communities. Right. And this is especially before big cities and all the rest of that. But the church house is usually the, it's the largest place for weddings. It was the town hall meeting center. It was a place where baptisms were done. Weddings, everything took place, basically, even education. It was around the church, which meant that pastors were the key voices. They were the key influencers within society in every part of America. But what has happened now is we got uh, talk shows, we got a uh, 24-hour news broadcast where they're pushing their agenda and what they believe to be is true. We got college campuses pushing what they believe to be is true. We got TV shows trying to shape and define the roles of men, women, and children trying to speak into the life of what society should be. And with that now, the church has to compete with the voices of the world. So there are more influencers who have led people astray. And what has to happen is the church has to become not just preachers and teachers of the way of God, but we also need to get to a place to where we live it. Yeah. 
This, this, this is important because I'll learn more. Now, hear me out. I believe in preaching. I'm doing that right now, <laughs> right? So, so I believe in it. But you'll learn more from me by what you see me do than what you hear me say. Okay, so having said that, the church, we got some work to do uh, because we're in a spiritual decline. Now, when I say a spiritual decline, what I mean is we're lacking some spiritual intensity. And, and I got some, I got, I think I got a graphic where you'll see this right here. This is really simple. You see, number one is spiritual, and then it flows down into how we behave morally. And then that flows into how we are ethically. And then it goes into where we are legally. Now, somebody looks at that, and it's a really cool chart. It's something that if you're a note taker, you want to take notes. What it means by this is spiritual should always be the number one, the number one in our lives. When I mean by that, this is kind of the hierarchy of life. Spiritually, everything that we do should be motivated by love. Every part of what we do should be motivated by love. Because if everything that we do is motivated by God, God is love, right? God is love. One more time. Everybody say it. God is love, right? Which means then at that point, if God is the head in our lives, then you can't have a, a spiritual life that's void of love. So love is paramount to our foundation. Why? Because if I love you, then that shapes what I believe morally about you. Come on, that's a good word. Right? So, so my wife is, is, is not a doormat. That's right. Yeah. Right? So I don't treat her any kind of way. Why? Because love motivates me spiritually to be good to her morally. And so I honor my wife. You get it? It shapes my morals, which then leads to my ethics. My ethical behavior is simply put my culture. It's the rules that we all abide by. Now, here's the trip. Rules could be in place and I follow them ethically, but my mind and my heart be out of whack morally because I've lost my spiritual compass. So I can follow the ethical rules, which then flow into our laws. Okay, and our laws are shaped supposed to be. Our laws are supposed to be shaped off of an ethical society where people are supposedly morally good. And that moral good is rooted in our spiritual love. Are y'all getting what's wrong with our country? Since we've lost our spiritual foundation of love, it has tapped into a very immoral society, which has changed the ethical behavior of what's going on around us. And it's led us to a place to where legally our systems and our laws are broken. They don't reflect God and his biblical values. Now, let's flip this to your house. Because what happens is you get a husband and a wife who began in the spirit. God told me. <laughs> That's what he said, right? God told you. And, and you really, you, get, you don't get your instructions on how to love your wife from a courthouse. You get your instructions from God. Even some of you guys didn't even know God when you got married. But morally, because you were led spiritually, so to speak, you, you, you believed in love. And because of love, you knew that morally you needed to be responsible. You needed to provide for your family. You needed to love your children. You understand morally how you're supposed to protect your house. And ethically, that shapes the fact that you clean it, the culture of the house, that you home by a certain time, right? Right. So ethically, and then, but now what you have is since people are out of whack spiritually, the home has lost its morality and almost anything can go in most homes. And there is no ethical culture and where what should have started in the spirit ends up going to the courthouse to get a divorce. Y'all see the spiritual decline? So if we want to stop the divorces, you got to go back to a spiritual source. 
And so this spiritual decline is something that continues to happen. And so I'm, I'm going to say this. And if you're a note taker, I hope you are. I hope you guys take notes. But I think it's important. You will, you will behave according to the role you believe you're supposed to play. So another way of saying it is you'll rise to your role. I, I grew up in the house. Well, uh, see, you know, I don't know how many of y'all like grew up in Sulphur Springs. How many of y'all grew up in or, or, or a small town like Sulphur? Okay, so a lot of y'all from Sulphur I didn't come from a, a small town. I came from a big city. In fact, I came from the hood. Okay, and I don't know if y'all know what the hood is out here, but <laughs> I, I, I came from the hood. Okay, so sometimes when, um, when, when we would talk with one another in the hood, we had a way of talking in our house. That, that all of a sudden when certain important people would call the house, you would hear a person change their tone on the phone. <laughs> the grammar improved. Y'all know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, let's, say, let's say somebody from our house in the hood, you know, we'd be like, what's up? That's how we talk, right? And then we'd be like, uh, uh, all of a sudden, though, if somebody important called on the phone, we get on the phone, you don't say what's up for a job interview. You know what I mean? If the person that you applied for a job for calls you, you check, hello. Yes, this is Sean speaking. Who am I speaking with? You know, what I mean? if it was your friend, you'd be like, what up, dog? You know, see, you rise to the role of expectation. All right. Yeah. Come on. That's good. Within my friendships, I'm chill. It's a certain way that I talk. If I'm trying to get a job. I change that. And all of a sudden, I'm speaking with a different tone. It's brighter. It's happier. When you go to Chick-fil-A, how many of y'all like Chick-fil-A? When you go to Chick-fil-A, they don't walk around all day long talking about my pleasure. But the moment you go through the drive-thru and you order some Chick-fil-A and you come through and you say, thank you so much, they say, oh, my pleasure. <laughs> right? Why? Because they're rising to the role of what's expected. Now, having said that, I believe some of you all aren't rising to the role in your home, either as a spouse or as a parent, because you've forgotten the role that you're supposed to play spiritually. Come on. So right now, it's just, what up? Yeah. It's whatever. It's, just, it's, it's so chill, it's so lax right now that, that the enemy is able to come in and, and to bring his killing, stealing, and destroying in such a way because your guard is too loose and you're too relaxed and you're not operating in the role that true leadership requires. So having said that, I'm going to talk about love is in the air, right? Love is in the air. And, and I want us to go to Titus 3 and 2. So Titus 3 and 2. And this is something that I think is, is, is really uh, a passage of Scripture that I don't hear quoted. I love the, 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 the passages of Scripture that don't get quoted that often. You know what I mean? I like preaching stuff that most people ain't ever heard of before. You know what I mean? No one was ever like, in the book of Titus, you know, two, you know. <laughs> Nobody talked about Titus 3. All right, so we're going to go to Titus 3, and we're going to read verses 2 through 7. So listen to this. It says, to speak evil. I hear some pages still turning. When you got to say, I got it. See, y'all don't even know where Titus is. Don't nobody go to Titus. It's in the New, it's in the New Testament toward the back, man. Just keep, keep going toward the back. Go close to Revelation and go back a couple of books. You'll find it. Okay. Nobody know where Titus is. All right. So Titus 3 and 2 says, speak evil of no man, not to be contentious, but to be gentle, showing all meekness towards all men. That includes your spouse. For we also once were foolish. Listen to this description because this is important. We all once were foolish. We were disobedient. We were deceived. We were serving divers, lusts, and pleasures. We were living in malice and envy. We were hateful, hating even one another. But when the kindness of our God, I love when you put a but in a sentence, right? Because it means that everything that was said prior to that is wiped out. 
But when the kindness of our God, our Savior, and his love toward man appeared, not by works done in righteousness, which he did, which we did ourselves, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, which he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, every last one of us in this room who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are now a, what the Bible calls a joint heir with Christ. You've been adopted into the family of God. The Bible calls it being born again or born from above. You are now adopted into God's family, which then makes you joint heirs or brothers with Jesus Christ. And usually when we talk about Jesus, we don't call him our brother. We usually speak of him in reference to him being our savior. But the truth is, Jesus is your big brother, right? He's the firstborn of many brethren, which means that he's our brother. So when you get to heaven, you'd be like, what up, bro? You know, all right. So having said that, uh, I, I want us to, to look at something. I want to talk about love. And usually when we talk about love, we think of love as a feeling. But I'm going to give you three descriptors of love. So number one, love is an action word. Everybody say love is an action word. Okay, y'all finish this because I think everybody should know this one. If not, you, you'll catch it. And then from here on out, you'll know it. God so loved the world that he gave. All right. So to this extent, God so loved us that he gave. So love is a gift to be given. Anyone who claims that they have love but don't have action behind it, they're lying. Interestingly enough, Jesus said, by this, by love, shall men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one to another. And it's very interesting. Usually I, I was I heard love one for another, but it's actually love one to another. The implication in the Greek is that I don't just have the idea of love in my mind, but I have the action of love communicated to you in some way, shape, form or fashion. If you're a dad in this room, say, I am a dad. So every last one of us, I'm a dad as well. We have a responsibility to demonstrate love to our children. We can't say it by just saying it. We have to actually do something. It's an action word. Kids have to know their love by our behavior toward them. Every mom say, I'm a mom. I'm a mom. You have to do so. It was so nice. And it was, it, I'm a mom. You know, it, it's, it, it, you have to show it. You have to show it. All the married folks say, what's up? Oh, goodness. All of y'all. Okay. Every last one of us, we have the awesome privilege and difficult challenge of having to love people that sometimes get on our nerves. And, and no one can get under your skin like the person you live with. And here's why. You have an expectation of them that after I've told you 10 times, if you love me, keep my commandments. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, it's so like, you, you must not love me because you don't keep my commandments. Why do I have to tell you again? See, all of us get it, but it's hard to give it. Love is something that's given. It's an action word. Now, I'm going to keep moving on this thing about love. Number two about love, this is important. Love is redemptive. Everybody say, love is redemptive. Love is redemptive. If in this letter to Titus, it said that once we were, and then it went through all of these descriptions. In fact, I'm going to go back. It said that we were disobedient, we were foolish, we were deceived, 
We were serving our own lust and pleasures. We were living in malice and envy. It's just a whole bunch of bad stuff, right? Hateful, hating one another, as if saying hateful wasn't enough. It's saying that we were hating one another. You know what I mean? You know, you know somebody going in when they got to say hateful, not liking people, mean, and you hated one another. You know what I mean? Like, you, like how many times you got to say it? But I think it's really trying to reiterate the fact that we were really jacked up in our hearts. God didn't wait for us to get better for him to be better towards us. You see what I'm saying? He didn't, he didn't wait. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. How many of us were part of that description of we were in unrighteousness, we were not, we were hateful, not loving one another, living in malice, going after all kinds? How many of us, by show of hands, we fit in that description? I just want to know. So for every last one of y'all who were honest enough to say you fit within that description, God's love redeemed that. Right. So 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 God's love is an action. So God so loved that he sought to redeem a bunch of broken, damaged, good people. OK, OK. So love is redemptive then. OK, quick question. Everybody got to answer me real fast. You got to give me a good answer. Okay, how, how much is my wedding ring worth? Some of y'all say prices. Some, about 50 bucks. It's a good estimate. I bought it for 350. I bought it for 350. But 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 if you were if you were to melt this down, right? Y'all know I probably wouldn't get no more than about 50 bucks for this thing. He about right. But, but what makes it priceless? If my kids were, were to say to purchase this versus my brother right here, if, if, if my, kid, my kids would pay more for this than him because to them it carries more value. You know the value of a thing by what somebody's willing to pay for it. God looked at what was damaged goods and paid for it with his only begotten son. Love is redemptive. Love is redemptive. I want y'all to see this because before you give up on your marriage, That's right. how would God see the value of your marriage? That's good. Yeah. And instead of allowing the enemy to undervalue what you have and allowing the enemy to define what you're about to give up, you need to allow the Lord to speak into it and say, here's how much your marriage is really worth. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Come on. That's it's worth fighting for. That's right. And all you and you look back and you say, well, Sean, you don't understand the malice, the envy, the hatred, the hatred of one another. And what I'm saying is, but love is greater than all that. And it's able to buy back and redeem what seems to be lost for good. All right. So that being said, number three, love is in the air. Love is in the air. H-E-I-R. Right. Um, uh, uh, anthropomorphism. It's a big word. Right. I want everybody to try to say it. Anthropomorphism. So anthropomorphism is this theological term that basically it's when we try to describe God through like a metaphor, especially like an animal or something like that. So when we talk about hiding in the shadow of God's wings, like God doesn't have real wings. OK, some of y'all gonna be really disappointed when you get to heaven. You like he ain't got wings. I thought you was going to have wings, Lord. <laughs> According. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to have wings, you know, but, but the Bible says, that's hilarious, the Bible, the Bible says, 
God is the spirit, right? He, he's the spirit. In other words, whenever we start using descriptors, that's anthropomorphism in action. So one of the descriptors that we get of Jesus is not only that he's our brother, like our, just our big bro, but that also he is the husband to the bride, his church. Okay? Love is in the air. It, 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 okay? If he's husband to the bride, then he and the bride are one. So what's in the head also flows to the body. What's in the husband also flows, come on, to the wife. What's in the brother is also in the joint heirs. So this word love is in, if you wanted to use it, I'm talking about the, the locative sphere. I'm talking about love is within the air. If you feel that it's hard to deal with a boss, that it's difficult uh, being good to a child that's being disrespectful to you, if you feel that it's hard putting up with some church members that just seem to get on your last nerve, if you feel that it's difficult, if you feel that it's difficult to deal with a spouse that just seems like they're just, just trying to bother you, if, if, if all of that is true, here's what I'm going to say to you. Love is within you, the air. And, and, and here, here, okay, okay. Here's where it gets good. Because I want y'all to know something. Your pastor thought of this title. Okay, who? Pastor Jeff. You thought of the title. So, so his brother, his joint heir. He, he came up with this. And so they gave it to me, and I had to figure out what I was going to say. Okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> but this is good stuff. As I thought about it, I said, you know what? This is fantastic. So great idea. I think it's God. Uh, here's the thing. If you're dealing with someone who is difficult to love, Come on. Jesus said this. Any man can say that they love somebody who's being nice to him. But real love is seen when you got to love even your enemy. If, if love is in the air. Are y'all with me? Okay, 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 okay. Love is in the air. Woo, this is good. Because I know where I'm going. Y'all yeah, yeah. have no clue what I'm about to say next, but I, I see it and I'm, I'm almost there. Okay, okay, okay. So here's the picture, here's the picture. Go, if we could find the wood of the cross and the nails that were driven through Christ, and if we could take that blood that was shed on the cross and the blood samples from the nails and we were able to put them in a lab and do a DNA test. I promise you what you will find within the DNA strands of the blood of Jesus is love itself. There was a song we sang, said it wasn't the nails that kept them to the cross. It was the love of God. According to the scriptures, he could have come down. He even could have fought against his enemies. Jesus himself said, I could have called legions of angels and wiped y'all out. So it ain't like the possibility didn't cross his mind. But he resisted the urge to get even. Instead, he became redemptive. I, I want y'all to see this. This is, this is huge. He saved those who were cursing him, spitting in his face, ripping his beard from And then watch this, because love is in that same kind of love is in you and I. 
Now, here's where it gets good. Husbands, watch this. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So when he gives a description, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesians, that's the fifth chapter. When he gives a description on what love looks like, he didn't say love your wives as you feel like treating them. He said love her in this same manner. How Jesus loved an unlovable, mean, ornery, sinful, wicked bride who wasn't being right concerning her role. He still made sure he was right in his role. And he gave himself up to be good to her. Here, I'll say it another way. Okay, okay. And I got to hurry up because my time is almost up, I think. I think my time is almost up. Somebody's like, preach anyway. No, y'all wasn't saying it. Did not one person in the room. Did not one person in the room say, keep on going. This is good. Not why I ain't getting no help from nobody. Jeez. I ain't getting no love. Y'all went up. Five more minutes preaching, you good. All the husbands was like, bro, cut this out right now. That's enough. We get it. Love. All right. Love's in there. Yeah. So, so, so. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, here's, so here's the thing. If, if the same kind of love that was in God is in us, then we have the ability to stand flat foot in the face of opposition and love even our enemy. And that means that is the spiritual role. Jesus is the example, not our immoral society, not the unethical people that are around us, not the legal system that's willing to give everybody a way out. I'm, I'm saying it starts spiritually. And spiritually, what is the root? It's love. But when I say love, I'm not just talking about a good feeling. I'm talking about the same stuff that flows in God that redeemed us. It said that in in Titus, what we just read, it says that the love of Jesus was poured out richly. His mercy was poured out richly. In other words, God spared no expense to make sure that he could have a relationship with you. How much more should we spare no expense then for our own children? How much more should we spare no expense to love what seems to be an unlovable church member? How much more should we spare no expense to love sinners? How much more should the church people who know better than anybody what it's like to be redeemed from hell? We know who we were when God saved us. He didn't save us because of our goodness. Who are we to turn around and withhold? What God richly gave. Okay, so I want to give you a couple of points and I'm going to wrap it up. Number one, expressions of love. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. How do we take this message and put it into action? Do the right thing. Everybody say, do the right thing. thing. What I'm saying is treat them right regardless to them treating you wrong. Especially to people who have wronged you. And even at the expense of oneself. Do the right thing. That's the morally good thing. That it's, you have a moral compass, and the Holy Spirit is speaking on the inside of some of us, and he tells you to do the right thing. Sometimes he may tell you to just shut up. And when he does, follow what he says. Just, just, 
and just walk away. <laughs> Do the right thing. Number two, don't wait on a feeling. Don't wait on a feeling. Come on, that's good. When, when people say stuff like, oh, we've fallen out of love. We've fallen out of love. What, what, what a person who says we've fallen out of love is really saying is, I don't feel it. I'm not feeling very loved or I don't feel motivated to give them love or whatever the case may be. But honestly, your responsibility within the relationship is not based on what you feel. It's based on the role that God has called you to play within your home and you need to rise to the level of that role. So don't wait on a feeling. And I'll flip it and I'll ask it another way. What if Jesus staying on the cross was based on his feeling? Listen. The moment they, they, they tried to beat me, uh, we, we'd have had a problem. Ain't none of y'all getting saved. whole world would have been condemned to death. I'd be like, Gabriel, come on here. We're just going to start all over. Wipe them out. <laughs> Wipe them out. I'm done. <laughs> but see, this, here's the truth. Jesus... <laughs> <laughs> difference between Jesus and me is, is he knew when he stepped down to redeem broken people that broken people break things. He knew it. And so when he put himself, when he finally said, uh, uh, you know, I laid down my life, he knew he was laying down his life into the hands of people who would try to take it from him. And he gave it up. But here's the amazing thing. Love is so powerful that it conquered the brokenness of the people and even gave him the power to rise back from the dead. And, and I'm telling you, some of you all are about to have a resurrection in your home. Why? Because the redemptive power of love. It's able to not only save those, but it's also able to cause you to rise up from a grave. Boy, this is good stuff. All right, two more things real quick. Do everything in your power and God's to keep it together. Whatever you can do within your power and God's, do it. If, if you're talking about, you know, I've had husbands, you know, we've been, my wife and I, we've been leading our church 14 years. 14 years, we've done a lot of marriage counseling. And I sit down with people, you know, and they're just like, I don't think we could do it. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, did you, did you try Christian counseling? No, we can't make it in our schedule. But you're getting a divorce? You ain't done everything within your power to keep it together. Get a counselor. I've even told people, I'll pay for it. And they still wouldn't go. So it had nothing to do. They just, they just wanted to quit. That's the easy thing to do. But have we tried the counseling? Have we tried professional counseling? Have, have, we, have we prayed every day? I, that's, that's, that's inexpensive. Just requires time. That's, that's really inexpensive. It just requires time and a little bit of love. Grab your spouse by the hand, kneel down and pray. Do it for seven days. Instead of praying about each other, pray for each other. Seven days straight. Just fall on your knees and both of y'all pray. And if your husband only got like a three-word prayer, be good with it. Be good with it. If he be like, God, help our house. You know, if, if that's what he got, that's good. Start there. <laughs> let, let that man, you know, give his three words and then you, you do the rest. That's fine. But don't pray about each other. Just pray for one another. 
And, 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 and I, I promise you, as you pray together, God will do something in your house. He'll do something. Do everything within your power and God's before you call it quits. All right, last thing. Don't wait to feel motivated because um, I think that this is really big. Now is always the time to do the right thing. Don't wait to feel motivated. Um, I'd rather you work yourself into motivation. Um, I, I was, I was uh, pretty overweight not too long ago, and I've lost uh, 60 pounds of fat, which is a lot. And thank you. I still got a little ways to go, but here's the thing. Going to the gym, here's what I realized. Going to the gym, man, I couldn't wait on feeling motivated. That's right. Come on. I'll tell you what I'm motivated to do is eat another Twinkie. <laughs> ain't, 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 ain't nobody got to persuade me to eat a Twinkie. I just, <laughs> come on. It, it ain't hard at all. You know, so my, my point is, uh, in order to, to get to a place to where I, I hit that gym five days a week and I ate the right things, I couldn't wait on motivation to go to the grocery store and all that. I just knew it was the right thing to do. So I got up, I set an alarm, I planned it, and I executed it, and I started getting better and better results. Some of us, we're waiting on, we're waiting on something to change. We're waiting to feel like God is up to something. We're waiting to feel motivated. And listen, don't wait. Don't wait to be good to your spouse. Don't wait for them to get better for you to be better. Don't wait for the kids to all of a sudden get their act together for you to start controlling your temper. Cut it out. Today, love is in you. That's right. The power of God is within you, and that's what you need. All we need right now is a surrender to the power that, that's within you. And so we're in a moment, you know, our prayer team is, is up and, and all around the room, and this is important. For some of you all in this room, God brought you here today. And you're not here by accident. You're here because God wants you to come into relationship with him. You, you, can't, you can't give out something you haven't received. What I'm talking about today, loving a person, I'm not talking about just a human energy. I'm talking about a power that's placed within us by God himself. And some of y'all in this room, you're here, but you haven't yet received that power for yourself. And so... How do you receive that power? Today, you acknowledge that that power is real and you receive within your, within your life the, the lordship of Jesus Christ. When I say the lordship of Jesus, I mean the leadership of Jesus. It means that you recognize that he is the leader of your life. And that means that you don't want to be the leader of your life anymore. It means that you realize that as long as you're leading yourself, you can't redeem yourself. As long as you're leading yourself, you can't save yourself. You've been trying and it's not working. But today, you realize that there is a greater power that exists. There is someone who loves you unconditionally and he wants to lead you in your life to salvation. And so today, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want you to connect and stand at this time. And I want you to connect with some of our prayer team. For those of you all who may be here in this room and you're saying, you know what, our marriage, man, right now we need some help. You know, even if you're coming to the event this afternoon, you still, you want to be in the right frame of mind. And you're saying, you know what? I haven't been allowing the love of the Lord to flow through me. I, I want somebody to pray for our relationship. If you're a parent and you've been struggling right now, 
uh, to, 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 to get along with your children or to lead your family. That's a real thing that a lot of us go through. What we need is a refreshing in the Holy Spirit. We need the Lord to touch us and bless us. And so I want you guys to connect with our prayer team as well. And so as the worship team sings, I'm going to ask that everybody stand to your feet all over the room. And if you want salvation, if you want somebody to pray for your marriage, if you want someone to pray for you as a parent, or you're just here and you're struggling maybe with the boss, that, that, that personally is just really, really, really bothering you. Listen, you can pray and you can receive the strength of God. And so at this time, as I pray, sing, sing.